Father, we thank you this morning that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord, and that is truly a wonderful name, Jesus. And we thank you that we can claim not only his name, but his blood and his sacrifice on our behalf. And so, Father, this morning, as we look into your word, uh, your gospel, the gospel of the good news that Jesus saves, I pray that we would once again see Christ afresh and anew, that our lives would be changed as a result of seeing Christ as the bread of life. So, Father, I pray that you would use your word to plant a seed in our heart, that it would take root and it would grow. And so we claim the promise that, as Isaiah says, as your word goes out, it will not return void, but it will prosper in the thing that you sent it to accomplish. And so we ask all these things, Father, in your name. Amen. Hopefully that's on. Is it on? Okay. We're going to finish up John chapter 6 today. Woo! It only took a month, right? <clears throat> it's been a couple of weeks since we've been in John. This is too close. Is that better? We'll see. He's got the power. We'll let him do it. It's been a couple of weeks since we've been in the book of John. We had uh, our fifth Sunday fellowship. And then last week, of course, the um, witchers were here. I almost forgot their name. <laughs> the witchers were here with us last week, and that was an enjoyable time as well. But we're getting back into our regular study in the book of John. And we'll be finishing up uh, four sermon series on John 6. There's some, there are some chapters that are a little bit longer in the book of John. This is one of them. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to get it finished and move on uh, for next week, John chapter 7. Let's, um, let's go ahead and read these verses. Let's actually start up a little bit further in um, verse number 52. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me will also, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Verse 60. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that the disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if, I, what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. <clears throat> Excuse me. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And Jesus said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of the disciples turned, away, turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know 
that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Let's open up in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you uh, for Christ. We thank you for what he did for us on the cross for salvation, for the, the freedom that we have from sin, from the punishment of it, uh, in death and separation from you for all eternity. Lord, we thank you that we have been reconciled, that we have been brought back into a relationship with you. And, and Lord, I pray that as we look at these words this morning, as we look at uh, this passage, that you would help us to grow in Christ, that you would help us to understand uh, a little bit better how we can relate to Christ um, more biblically, how we can relate to Christ in a way that will help us grow. And I pray that as we do that, that you will make changes in our lives, that we would be open and receptive to your word this morning. I pray that your word would go forth, and that it would not be uh, simply my own thinking, but that it would be your words, and that you would speak through the Holy Spirit in the hearts and lives this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> How many of you ever heard the word, the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, right? When do you usually hear that being said? On the playground, right? Yeah, when someone is trying to hurt you with words, right? That's usually when that pops out. Well, and, and you don't have a good comeback, you know? That's, that's really what it is. It's, it's not that the words don't hurt, it's just that you can't think of a good comeback. Um, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, you know? We're, we're trying to, that phrase is trying to deny a reality. And that reality is that words have power. Do they not? Words have power. Now, you know, that's why words are so important. You know, we, we stand up here and, and preach and teach, and, and I'll be perfectly honest with you, I don't, I don't manuscript everything that, I, that I'm going to say out. Sometimes I probably should. Uh, because there are times where I'll say something, and, and later my wife was like, "That didn't come across very well," <laughs> you know, or or did you did you mean to say that? Um, and so I'll try to I'll try to keep things good today, but uh, <laughs> but words words are important, right? Words are important. They're, they have power. Uh, in fact, Proverbs tells us that they have that the that the, the power. Sorry, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Right? So words have power. Scripture tells us the words have power. But all you have to do is just look at, you know, our own life experience and, and we know that words have power. You know, we, we may have been the one on the playground saying that phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But really inside, what was going on? It, we were getting hurt, right? Somebody was saying something that hurt our feelings. And, and so the only thing that we could do is just try to retaliate in some way back. Um, but, you know, the truth of the matter was the words actually affected us. Words have power. Um, they have the power to build somebody up. You know, if you, if you have ever been discouraged and had a friend that came alongside and gave you an encouraging word, maybe sent you a note, um, how'd that feel? Did that impact you? Yeah, it, it lifts you up. It makes you feel better. You may, your circumstances may not have changed at all. You may still be going through the same hardship. You may still uh, be dealing with the same problems, but you feel better, right? When somebody comes along with a word of encouragement. Um, what about when you're having a really great day 
and you are on top of the, the mountain, and somebody says, something bean. <laughs> you know? All of a sudden, no matter how good everything is, is going for you, how well uh, your life is, all of a sudden, you've got a bad day because somebody said something really mean. And, uh, and it may not even have been true. It was just the simple power of words that affect us. So words can build people up. They can tear people down. No, I'm not going to sing the song. All right. <laughs> um, words have the power to stir up nations. Do you ever think about that? How many of you remember seeing in school, um, nobody, I don't know, well, Errol might have been alive, I don't remember. No, uh, you know, the, the, the movie screen, the movies of uh, Hitler, right? Standing up there, I don't know German, so I can't, you know, say it, but, you know, he's, he's yelling and screaming and, and shouting and, and trying to stir up his nation to go to war. We've seen the same thing in America, have we not? You know, we've, we've seen leaders stand up and, and stir up a nation, whether it's for war or whether it's for some other political agenda. You know, words have power. Words sway people. Words are important. But you know what? Words have power on us based on the authority that we give them. Words have power to us based on the authority that we give them. If my son says something to me about science, he may be right, you know, because he watches a lot of science stuff, he likes science, but are his words about science going to really sway me? Probably not, right? I may, I may think, oh, that's, that's a cool little fact, but I'm probably not going to sit there and be like, really? Tell me more, you know? Unless I'm just being a good father that day. No. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm not, he, he, he's not a scientist. You're right. You know, he, he's 11 years old now. <laughs> he's been alive less than I have. I've, I've gone to school longer than he's been alive. You know, so I've had science longer than he's been alive. I think I probably know more. But yet sometimes he throws some things out there that I'm like, really? I don't know about that. Where did you hear that? Um, thank you, PBS. Uh, <laughs> and so, so he, and sometimes he's correct, sometimes he's not. But you know what? The impact of those words on me is not very deep. It's not very, you know, powerful because of my opinion of his scientific knowledge, right? And so the, our opinion of the person who's giving us the words impact us more. The words of a good friend are going to impact us more than the words of some guy walking down the street. Will they not? So words have power, but words have more power based on our view or our opinion of the person speaking. You know, it's even, it's interesting, you take, a, take our church, right? We have several elders. All of them get up and, and teach and preach, you know. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not saying everybody's a dirty, rotten sinner, but let's be honest, you probably have a favorite or two. All right. There's probably certain people that you prefer to listen to and others that you don't. You know, um, I had somebody actually tell me once, <laughs> somebody that they prefer to listen to. I was like, well, that's, that's good, but keep listening, right? Um, but that, that can affect the way that we listen when we're sitting here, right? The opinion that we have of the person speaking can affect whether or not we're even going to listen. 
can affect how those words impact us. And that's why, you know, it's really important for us, especially as, as preachers, that we stand up here and we, as much as possible, deliver the word <laughs> and not just a bunch of things that we think because in the end, it doesn't matter what we think. It matters what the word says, right? And so words are important and how we, how we view the person who's giving us those words, our opinion of that person is important to how we're going to receive those words. And here in the, in the chapter of John chapter 6, I'm getting back to it now, John chapter 6, we've, we've read a lot of words, have we not? Jesus has said a lot of things. It starts off with him uh, doing the, the, feeding the 5,000, right? And then, or actually he's teaching first. I'm sorry, he's teaching first. And then he feeds, uh, no, I'm right. Let's go back and look at it. Yeah, he feeds the 5,000. I know I had it right. He feeds the 5,000. And then we have, we have that brief miracle of him walking on the water, and he gets in the boat, and immediately they're at the shore, right? And then he comes back now, and he's been teaching again. And he's, and he's saying lots of words. He's teaching lots of things. Well, technically, he's really teaching one thing. <laughs> but these, he's saying it in lots of different ways. He's, he's using these words, and the people are listening. They were listening to him at the beginning of chapter 6, and they were listening to him here at the end of chapter 6. He was out in the, in the wilderness in, in the beginning, and now he's in the synagogue, Right? It's what the, the last verse before our, our passage says that uh, he was in the synagogue at Capernaum. Right? So he went from teaching out there and now he's teaching and here's, he's speaking a lot of words. And there are a lot of people who are there listening to those words. But as we look at this passage this morning, we're going to see two different um, reactions to those words. And those reactions are born out of their view of the authority of the one who's speaking. All right? So listen very carefully as we go through this. He's, he's done a, a great miracle, two miracles. We didn't really focus that much on the second one. But he's done a great miracle. He's fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Right? And, and, and immediately the crowd changed. I don't remember if you guys remember that. They were, they were going there. They were, they were listening to his words. They were um, looking for miracles. They were, they were they were there for the show. A lot of them, you know. This guy was this guy was different. He was new. He he was somebody that you know. Hey, let's follow this guy and just see what's see what's going on. See what he's teaching. You know, he was a little bit at this point. He's been a little bit you know controversial. Um, we go back to the guy that he healed at the at the pool, right? And the whole Sabbath incident. Well, that's when people started having some issues with Jesus because they wanted to kill him at that point because he was claiming to be God. And so he was, he was now a controversial individual. That's another thing that kind of drew them in. And so they're following after Jesus. They're seeing this miracle then of a man, man, who can take a boy's lunch and feed 5,000 plus people. And all of a sudden in their mind, they're like, wait a minute, this guy should be king. And, and you, you sit there and you think about why, why would they jump from really a controversial figure to this guy needs to be king, you know? And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, well, what, what just happened? He fed a bunch of people with one boy's lunch, you know? That could come in really handy as a king, you know? I mean, if, you, if you've got, uh, especially back then, I mean, you, there were lots of times of famine um, where there just wasn't food. You just read through history. There's a lot of famine in history, you know? And if, imagine if a guy could just go into the barn and be like, what do we got? Two bags of grain? All right, we're full. 
You know? Sounds good to me. That's a good king right there. I mean, he's going to have his throne for a long time if he can keep people fed, you know? Or, or you think about a siege, right? What is the purpose of a siege? Starve people out, you know? You starve them out, eventually they're going to either die or they're going to come out and surrender because you got to have food. Well, if you got a guy that can make food out of a little bit of food, your enemies are going to be sitting out there a long time on that siege, right? So there, this was, it's not just the fact that he was powerful, you know, but you think about this, there's, there's some good reasons why you would want a king like that. And so their view completely shifts from, from really even listening to what he's saying to seeking him to be a king. And it's interesting, he says he goes back up and he goes back into the mountain because they were, they wanted to make him king. I mean, it was like right then. Let's make you king. Let's go. And, he, and so he, he goes back up in the mountain to get away. And then, of course, you know, we have the disciples coming across. They get caught in the storm, and, and Jesus comes walking on the water. He steps into the boat, and immediately they're on the other side. Just another brief example to them that, hey, it's more than just making food, guys. I am God. I have power over everything. I have power over the food. I have power over the wind and the sea. I have power over space and time. I'm more than just a king. <laughs> I'm God, you know? And, and so he, he has this second miracle. And then he comes to Capernaum and he's in the synagogue and he's teaching, he's preaching. And these people who, who saw him feed the 5,000 who probably got fed, follow him across the sea, come to Capernaum, and they're sitting there and, and they're listening. And so Jesus takes this concept of food that they're, that's right on the forefront of their mind. He takes this concept of food and he turns it. And he says, you guys want bread? Let me tell you about the bread that you need. Right? You need the bread of life. And that bread of life, excuse me, is me. And as you read through this passage, you know, a lot of times I, I, I'm guilty of looking at the crowd and, and kind of looking down on the crowd. And saying, man, you guys are just really dumb. <laughs> you know? I mean, cause, cause we, we tend to, to have the ability to look back. You know, we've, we have the whole scripture, so we know, you know, what Jesus is going to do in the future. We, we understand, uh, some of the symbolism. We understand his analogies. You know, we understand what he's talking about because we know the whole story. And so it's easy to go back and look, look down on it and be like, come on, guys, it's not that hard. Um, and, and quite frankly, some of the passages that Jesus is speaking, they really, they really were hard to understand. But this isn't one of them. If you go through and you read what Jesus has been saying this whole time, over and over and over, he brings up the fact that this is a spiritual matter. He reminds them over and over. It has nothing to do with physical food. It has everything to do with spiritual food, with eternal life. He talks about resurrection. He talks about, um, you know, this eating, the, eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Well, you know, that wasn't something that they did. <laughs> that wasn't part of normal culture in the Jewish culture, right? So it was weird. Obviously, he can't be talking about that. You know, he talks about, uh, again, resurrection. He talks about, specifically talks about in this passage, he, he reminds them that this is the spirit, the words that I have spoken to you are not words about food. They're words about spirit and life. And so I don't think it was that the words that Jesus was speaking 
were ambiguous. I don't think Jesus was unclear when, when he was speaking to this crowd. I think the crowd didn't get it because they didn't want to. The crowd didn't get it because they didn't want to. See, they had already decided who Jesus was going to be they, to them. They had already decided that Jesus was the king. He was going to be the king. He was going to provide their physical needs. He was going to lead them out of bondage from Rome. That was, that's, that was their view. That was their perspective on Jesus. And as we look at how they respond to his words, we see that the way that we think about Christ affects the way that his words work in us. All right, so let's take a look at uh, verse 60. Again, he's just talked about all these things about his blood and his body and, and eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And it says, and when many of the disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Now, this is not them saying, man, this is hard to understand. That's not what they, that's not what they mean. All right. And how do we know that? Well, first of all, if you look at the next passage, it says, next verse says, but Jesus, knowing in himself the disciples were what? What were they doing? Grumbling, right? They were grumbling. This wasn't them marveling or wondering or questioning. They were grumbling, right? It's important to look at the words that we have in Scripture and, and interpret what it's saying based on what it says, right? So it says that they were grumbling. And then what does he ask them? In the next verse, in verse uh, 67, I'm sorry, 62, it says, no, it's the same verse, sorry. It says they were grumbling um, about this. And he said to them, do you take offense at this? Right? So what they're saying is, it's not, they're not saying this is, this is hard to understand. They're saying, this is, uh, I don't know about this. This is, uh, this is a little off the wall. I don't know if this is, I mean, should this, should we be listening to this guy? I mean, this guy's a little, little nuts talking about body and blood and eating his flesh and drinking his blood and, I don't, I don't know about that. That's, that's not the kind of person that we want as king, I don't think. I mean, you think maybe he's crazy, you know? And so they're, they're going through having these conversations. They're grumbling and complaining about what Jesus is saying. They're, they're offended by it. And this isn't the first time they've been offended by something Jesus said. Obviously, you know, back in chapter four, they were offended by, or chapter three, I think, they're offended by what he said about himself as being the son of God, equalizing, equaling himself with God. Right? And so they're grumbling and complaining, not because they don't understand, but because they don't like it. And Jesus says something very interesting to them. He says, Are you offended by this? Is this cause, are you, do you take offense at this? In verse 62, then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? What's he saying? He's saying, You guys, are not willing to listen to what I am telling you. He says, would you even listen if all of a sudden I just ascended up back into heaven where I came from? Again, is he making it you know, you know, hard to understand that he comes from heaven? No. I mean, that's pretty clear. You know, you guys are not believing the words that I'm saying. Would you even believe if you saw me ascend to heaven? What's, what's the implicit answer to that? No. He's basically saying, look, I have been teaching you guys. You have seen me do these miracles. You have heard me speak. And 
I've been teaching you guys these things, and I've been very clear and very plain in helping you understand what I'm talking about. And you are refusing to listen. In fact, you're refusing to listen so much that you wouldn't even listen if you saw me ascend back up into heaven. See, the crowd, or at least many of them, had reached a point where they were ignoring the teachings of Christ. They had, they had seen what they wanted to see. They have decided in their mind who Christ is and, and what, what importance he should have. And his words then, his words had no more importance than what they assumed they should have. So because they didn't see him as the Son of God, because they didn't see him as the Holy One, as the one who was coming to, to redeem them as the Messiah, because they didn't see him as that, his words, when it came to spiritual things, had no effect, had no meaning, had no purpose to them. Because to them, that's not why he was there. So they began to ignore the teachings, the importance of Jesus' teaching. And he rebukes them here. He says, he says I've been telling you these things, and yet you wouldn't even listen if I, if I did another great miracle and shot back up in, into heaven. He says, you're ignoring everything that I'm trying to teach you because you're focusing on the physical. In fact, he, he goes further and he says, um, in verse 63, he makes it more clear. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. He's, he's telling them, look, the flesh is nothing. It's not about the flesh. It's not about whether or not you get you you can eat. It's not about whether or not you live another day. It's about the spirit. The spiritual thing is the important thing. He says the flesh is nothing. It has no help at all. And the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And then he rebukes him. He says, but there are some of you who do not believe. Now, obviously Jesus knew. <laughs> it says that very clearly. He knew who was believing and who was not believing. He knew that uh, there were some who even, you know, maybe were between belief. <laughs> they, they were still there. They weren't really sure, maybe. He knew all that. He knew the hearts of every man, every man that was there. He knew exactly what they were thinking. He even knew, it says, you know, it talks about the fact that he knew that, that Judas was an unbeliever. One of the 12 that he handpicked. And so Jesus looks at them and he rebukes them and he says, I know what's going on in your heart and your mind. And I'm trying to give you words of life. Words of life. We talked about the fact that words have power. And Jesus is offering them words, the most powerful words in the entire world. Words of life. And they are ignoring them. They're ignoring them because of their view because of who they want him to be. They're ignoring what he is saying. And because they're ignoring it, they're not able to, able to believe. What does he say? Uh, verse 64. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who, who, uh, those were, I'm sorry, who those were who did not, who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father, unless it is granted them by the Father, right? Now, that sounds really harsh, does it not? No one can come to me unless it's granted to, to him by the Father, right? That's why I told you guys this, because you are not believing. 
You're, you're looking at me and you're taking the words that I have and you're misconstruing them because they're getting all offended because he's talking about eating flesh and drinking blood because they're not paying attention. They're not listening. They're not taking it in as words that are there for life. They're taking it in as words that are coming from this guy that they want to make king. You know, it'd be like us listening to uh, a politician, right? How many of you believe every word that comes out of a politician's mouth? Right? Probably 5%? <laughs> uh, not much, right? We don't, we don't believe a whole lot that comes out of a politician's mouth. Uh, we've, we've learned a little bit better over the years. But Jesus, Jesus is not a politician, but to them, in a sense, he is, right? They want to make him king. And so they're looking at him as king. And so he's saying all these weird things. Well, we'll just kind of ignore that as long as we can get him to become king and take care of our food situation, right? That's what's kind of going through their head. And he says, look, you can't even believe because you're not willing to give my words the authority that they have. Because you don't listen to my words, because you don't give them the authority that they, that they should have, you can't even believe who I truly am. And he says, in fact, my father is working against you. Because you are ignoring the words that I am speaking, the Father is working against you. Because he's the one that decides who gets to come to me. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't sound like the God that we want to serve. (laughs) The God that we like to make up maybe a little bit in our own mind. But that's what Jesus said. He's like, some of you cannot believe. And, And my Father is the one that decides who can come to me and who can't. And so we have this progression of those who look at Christ not as who he is, not as who he claims to be, and because they don't, they they misinterpret or they misunderstand or they just completely ignore the words that he is speaking, words that are words of power, words that are words of life, and they they don't see it. And because they don't give those words the authority that they should have, they then cannot believe. Because if you don't believe that those words have power... Why, why would you believe in the person who's saying them? And then we have the next verse. It says in verse 66, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked. I kind of look, look at that phrase that Jesus says about you know, God allowing those to, to come to Christ. You know, I, I kind of see that as the final nail in the coffin for a lot of these people. Right? He says, look, you can't even come to me unless the Father allows it. And you're not believing, and you're not listening to what I'm saying. And there's like that final nail. Boom. And all of a sudden, it's almost like a, it's almost like a light bulb goes off. <laughs> right? It was on, maybe, or flickering a little bit <laughs> as they were listening. You know, and all of a sudden, it's gone. And there's like no more reason for them to be there. It's like, well, I guess he doesn't want to be king. We'll go, go back to our homes. You know? And, the, and they no longer walk with him. They no longer are around him. And it's interesting, he, knows, he uses this word disciples. And if, I don't know if you're, about, if you're like me, but <laughs> I have four minutes. All right, I don't know if you're like me. I haven't gotten to the second one yet. This is going to be really fast. Here we go, ready? Um, but I, I, I look at the word disciples in Scripture, and a lot of times what I, what I think of is the 12, right? And we have to remember, there are lots of people who are following after Christ, who are following Christ for one reason or another. It may not be a good reason, but they would call themselves disciples of him. We look at uh, the passage in Matthew where uh, Jesus sent out the 70, you know, 
They were disciples, right? But we tend to think of the 12 when we look at that. And I think it's, it's interesting that, you know, John brings up this, this term and, and kind of gives us a difference between disciples and the 12. But, um, but so these disciples who have, who have in some way attached themselves to Christ now no longer have any attachment. They, they no longer have any reason, any desire to be with him, to be around him. Because they've ignored the authority of the words. Because they ignored the authority of his words, they could not believe in who he truly was, and therefore there was no reason for them to hang around. All right, second one, really fast. So then we have Peter. I'm not going to read through it. We read through it already. So Jesus comes to the 12 and he says, you guys want to leave too? And Peter, you know, always the spokesperson, you know, he, he gets up and, and you always expect him to just say something crazy, you know. But I think the words that he says this time are really, really important. You know, a lot of times you look at Peter's words and you're just like, man, think before you speak, brother, you know. Um, but this, these words, I think, are really impactful. And, and if you don't, if you read through it quickly, I don't think you quite get what's going on here, what he's saying. All right. So what does he say? He says, Lord, to whom should we go? Or who can we go to? Right. Who, who else are we going to go to? Well, there are plenty of other teachers. You know, we know that Nicodemus was a teacher. Jesus called him the teacher of Israel. Right. So there are plenty of other rabbis. So it wasn't like Jesus was the only one. So there had to be a reason why he says this. Right. He says, who, who can we go to? You have what? The words of eternal life. You think somebody was listening? See, Peter, and we assume most of the disciples, because they stayed with him, but at least we know Peter understood the authority of the words that Jesus was speaking. He got it to some degree. He understood, look, these words are not just words of a politician. These words are not just words of a rabbi. These words are words of power. They're words of life, of everlasting life. There's a spiritual importance to them. And, and maybe he may be thinking, I don't even understand it all. I don't even get it all, but I know that it's important. And I know it's, that it's coming from you, and you are, are, have the authority to be speaking these words. These are authoritative words. These words have power. And as he listens to these words, what's the next phrase that he says? He says, where should we go? You have the words of life. And then his next phrase is, and we have what? We have believed. What is the purpose of John? That you may believe, right? We're going to see this word a lot in the book of John, right? That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. And here we have a revelation of that belief from Peter's lips. He says, not only do I understand that your words have power, that your words have life, that they have authority, and they have an impact on my life, but because of that, because I'm listening to your words with that mindset, because I'm listening to your words with that viewpoint, I have believed that what you are saying is true, that what you are saying is right. You know, and you look at these 12, I mean, they had to believe somewhat. They gave up family and, and jobs and you know, life, basically, for three years. And to be with Jesus, there had to be some level of belief. And, and so you look at that and you say, I, I understand who it is that's speaking. I understand that you have authority. And he says that I, we have believed but what's the next step? He says, and we have come to know what? That you are the Holy One of God. All right, five minutes. We have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. 
See, there's two different directions here. On one hand, there's a direction that ignores the importance of the words of Christ, which leads to a life of unbelief and eventually falling away. And then there is a perspective of one who understands the authority and the power and the benefit of the words of Christ. And because of that, they take it seriously. They allow it to affect them, their lives. And because of that, they believe in the one who has said those words and what he represents and what he's going to do in the future. And they have faith. And because they have faith and because they believe and as they continue to listen to the words of Christ and they continue to allow the words of Christ affect him, what has happened? It says, I have come, we have come to know that you are who you say you are. We have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. We have come to know you are God. We have come to know that you are the Messiah. We have come to know you. Is it any wonder that the times when we feel like we don't know Christ are the times when we're not taking His Word seriously? Have you ever noticed that? Even if you're reading it. you Anybody can read it. Atheists read it, you know. Even if you're reading it, that doesn't necessarily impact your life. What matters is, do I understand the power and the authority of the Word of God? Do I believe what it's telling me? And if so, then that's going to impact my life. That's going to change me. It's going to make me want to change. It's going to make me see God the way that the Bible describes Him, not the way that I think He is, not the way other people tell me He is but the way that Scripture says He is. If I allow the Word of God to impact my life. But the problem is, even as Christians, so many times we don't. We just just want a good daily crumb, right? Make me feel good today, and, and that's great. But we don't really grow in our knowledge of Christ. We don't really grow in our relationship with Christ. And Peter says, look... We understand the authority of your words. They are words that bring everlasting life, eternal life. They're powerful words. They're important words. And because of that, we have believed in you. And we continue to believe in you. Where else are we going to go? We're not going to find that anywhere else, right? So we believe in you. And because we believe in you and we understand your words and we listen to your words and they have impact in our life, we understand who you are. My guess is the vast majority of the church today, especially in the United States, doesn't really understand who Christ is. We have a picture of him up on the wall (laughs) or in our mind, right? But we don't really know him. And yet Jesus is saying, my words have eternal life. And how often do we even look at his word? Some of you have red letter editions. It's really easy, you know? But not just the red letters. You can look at the other letters too because this whole thing is the word of God. The Old Testament and the New Testament. All of it has power and impact on our life if we view it as such. But the moment we belittle the authority of the words is the moment we begin to not believe. And the less we believe, the less we know and understand about who Christ is. The less of an impact it has on our life. And eventually, what does it lead to? Falling away. It leads to a life of just being like everybody else. It leads to a life of acting like the world and living like the world. All because we don't take the word of God. See, it wasn't that Jesus was unclear. 
There's plenty of stuff in Scripture that's perfectly clear. Is there some difficult things? Yeah, absolutely. But most of it's pretty clear. That's not an excuse. Jesus was perfectly clear. The point is they had decided who Jesus was, and they were not willing to give his words the authority. I hope that's not how we come to the word of God. And if it is, then we need to change. I know in my own life, when I am continually going down a path that is wrong, whether it's a behavior path, whether it's an attitude path, whatever it is, usually it can be tied back to, I don't believe what the Word of God says. I have not given it the authority that it deserves. In my life. I know it. I know a lot of it. But unless I believe that these words have eternal life, it's not going to impact me. And I'm just going to continue down the road. So my challenge this morning is don't be like the crowd. A lot of times we say, don't be like Peter. (laughs) In this instance, be like Peter. Be like Peter and say, Lord, I understand your word is has life, everlasting life. And it's spiritual food and it's nourishment. And I believe it. And because of that, I want to change. I want to become more like Christ. And if we come with that attitude, if we come with that attitude, if we take the word of God as our authority, as we live our lives based on it, as we believe it, not just, well, I believe this part, as we believe it and allow it to change our lives, change the way that we think, then we know Christ more. We know Christ deeper and we become more like him. Father, we thank you for Christ. We thank you for his teaching. Uh, Many times in these passages, it can be somewhat long. Um, He he says a lot of things that are sometimes hard to grasp. But Lord, we, we know that this one phrase is true, that Jesus said, uh, my words are the words of eternal life. And, and, and Peter repeated that and proclaimed the same thing, Lord. As we sit here this morning, I know it's easy for us, it's easy for me to, to read the word, to put it on a shelf and, and just go about my day as if that was just a, something to check off my list, Lord. I pray that that would not be the case in our lives. I pray that your word would be so important to us that it would be something that we seek out, that it would be something that we want to have an effect on our life, and that, and that as it does, that we would become more like Christ, and that we would know you more, as was the testimony of Peter. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather together to discuss your word. Lord, I pray during the breakout sessions that you would help us to have um, a good time of fellowship, of, of sharing of uh, benefiting one another as we exhort one another in the word. And I pray that you would be glorified in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. All right, wait, eight minutes. Um, so you've got six minutes to go down and take your children to your classrooms. Um, yeah, is it? Okay.